science. No doubt there's power deep within. Hi, beauties. Welcome to the Beyond Beauty Project with your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so happy to have you part of the conversation. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Beyond Beauty Project. Today, I am here with Sandra Lerga. Sandra has been a fashion model and actress for 20 years and a longtime practitioner of the healing arts. She also has 20 years experience in the wellness field. She is a healer who is trained in holistic health as an herbalist and in mindful meditation. Her gift for clairvoyance and leading with compassion are also ways she moves her clients into healing. Sandra draws her expertise from her own recovery work with anxiety, depression, chronic migraines, rosacea, and PTSD. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) I'm happy to be on with you. How are you? Where are you right now in the world? I am in Montreal, Canada. I've been here now the last four years. I came back home. Uh, This is where I'm from originally. But I was in New York and L.A. for 20-something years. Yeah. And uh, I just got called back to come back home. Montreal is beautiful. I got to work there a couple of times and I've always wanted to go back and just explore something. So I don't know, there's something magical about that place. It really is. It's right. Yeah. It's European. It's uh, quaint. There's not a lot of people. It's very green. They're very big on bike biking here, cycling. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get right into it and I'm cool. going to ask you. My first question I ask everyone, and I want to know how you would define beauty. Okay, so for me, beauty is, which I find is a really good question, uh, being that we've come from a beauty industry. And I've always said, uh, here we are in a beauty industry and nobody feels beautiful. We're all hustling to feel beautiful. And for me, beauty comes from inside it's an inside mm-hmm. job you can be you can have perfect skin perfect hair perfect clothes the perfect boyfriend or husband perfect house and you'll still feel like crap why it's because it's an inside job yeah. and for me beauty comes from people being themselves hmm, just i yes. love you know i don't know if you know uh, you know you, you agree with this but like I just love watching people and listening to people and seeing their quirks and them being themselves. Yeah. And yeah. For me, that is like, oh my God, the best show in the world. Like being I authentic. Being authentic, being yourself. Like I remember when, um, you know how, I don't even know if magazines do this anymore, but like the do's and don'ts of fashion. Remember like, yeah, it would be in Vogue, it'd be in Elle, it'd be in all these magazines. And I remember being in my 20s and going like no man don't do that because people don't get to be themselves and express Mm -hmm. their unique individual styles so what if it's mismatched so what so what if it doesn't fit your box you know what I mean like I like people being real and themselves I find that highly creative and high creativity is high beauty period yes yes I love that god I never I never put that together with the fashion do's and don'ts. It's so true. I think they're telling you and they're telling you in a way how to express yourself. And I feel like self-expression comes from the beauty you have inside of you. Mm-hmm. Original. Right? Yeah. Yes. Let us be original. Okay. I want to start with telling our listeners a little bit about your modeling journey and how mm-hmm. I guess how you just got into the industry. Cause I, I, if I remember correctly, you were pretty young. Mm-hmm. I was very, right? young. so my mom got me into it. I had a zero desire for it. <laughs> I did too. Oh my God. We, we share that. We have that in common. 
zero desire. I was an introverted child that loved being outdoors like every child, but I loved drawing and I loved dancing. And when my mom sprung that up on me going like, Hey, I think you'd be great in modeling. I think you have it. I think, you know, let's try this school. And, and I was young. I was like 12 years old when she started asking me if I wanted to. And, and then they told us like this one modeling school in Montreal, local school said, she's too young, bring her back when she's like developed, developed a little bit, like at 14. And even when we got, went back at 14, I tried to sabotage it. And we talked about this. Like I, I remember, you know, them asking me to walk and for them to see my gait, to see my smile, to see how I stand. And I was like, leave me alone. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous, but my mom had, she was right. Like she, this is like, this is an interesting topic because it was a calling. And I, no matter what I did in my career to say no, it kept on calling me. And my mom was there, you know, to fulfill that purpose. And even though I didn't want to go into it, she pushed me and she was like, we can do this. And Sandra, you're going to have a beautiful life. You're going to travel. You're going to make money. You're going to be independent. You can get into anything, then write a book, movies, whatever you want to do afterwards. So she really was seeing the big picture for me. She had good intentions. She, she also fought for herself as a woman, right? In a, um, my, I'm Croatian. That's my background. And um, it's uh, very uh, patriarchal, very chauvinistic. And so she fought her way to her freedom. And so she saw this as an out, like you have choice, girl, get it. Yes. Yes. I mean, I feel like I got into modeling as an out in a way I knew it could give me that opportunity. You see just, just to see the world, to educate myself. So I get that. You see, there you go. When did you first leave home? How, how little are you? The first time I left home was for New York city and it was for a summer. Okay. And I was, I think I was 15 or 16, yeah. 15. I think I was really young. Wow. And I took a bus from Montreal to New York city. I was with elite models and I was in the model's apartment. I, and I remember I was so sad and stressed that I, I, I had no appetite for two straight days. Like I couldn't eat at wow. all. Yeah. It was just, when you look back, you're like, oh my God, that's so cute and so sweet, but also it was scary. You're young. It's scary. Yeah. yeah and I, uh-huh. that, that was going to be my question is how did you stay grounded being so young? You probably didn't have your self-confidence yet fully, you know? Right. How do you write? Nothing. I, okay, so this brings me to Paris, like forget about New York. New York was my first foray into the city and the first few days were scary. But after that, I was really excited. And I think it's because it was New York City and New York City is an energy and, and I was living with a lot of models and it was just fun. It ended up being fun. Okay. Paris though was another ball game. Like yeah, Paris was tough and I was terrified. Yes. That's when my anxiety started, my mm. panic attacks, all of that. That's because, you know, I was on my own. I left home and here I am in the city. I speak French, so I knew how to speak French and that was there. But um, for me to ground myself there was to connect to other models. Okay. To literally like be like, hey, who are you? What are you doing here? How do you feel? Can we do things together? Okay. Yeah. And hold on. How old yeah. were you when you were in Paris? How old are you now? So I was 16 going on 17. Okay. So you're still a baby. I'm still a baby. My aunt came with me. Aww. So to make sure I was set up and then she yeah. would leave. Right. So, and then I was on my own. I was actually living in a studio apartment in the first arrondissement with a Brazilian model. And so at least I had company, but it was yeah. still scary. Um, the way I grounded myself was to find dance studios. Nice. So I kept dancing. Smart. Yeah. Uh, I needed something that had breath, that had my, that would open my body because 
I would just be so nervous at the agency, right? You didn't, you didn't know who these people were. Uh, you don't know if they have your back. Uh, they say yeah. they do, but you're, you're new to this business. And also back then, there was no protection for models. No. I was underaged in Paris. Mm-hmm. You can just imagine. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. It's in the air. It's all around you. you know? Yes. So I turned to dance, to working out, to prayer. Always. I went into prayer and meditation and my spiritual work. I found a Buddhist teacher there. Um, I studied shamanism. That's where I kept, like, I, I had my medicine bag. I had all my things to ground me. So had your mom already passed down some of those tools? Or was it something you were just sort of finding out about? Because that's pretty young. I mean, when I was in Paris, I had met this girl. She wasn't a model. We just connected and I was telling her I was really sad and I missed my home. And she gave me the book Conversations with God. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she's like, read this. And it changed my life. It just opened up a different world. And I think that's some of the blessings of being a model young and traveling around. You have to find something that makes you feel good. And a lot of times... A lot of us, I think, went towards what's the meaning of life? What are we doing? You know, is there oh, someone else cool. out there? You know, so, but did you already have that innately in you? Cause I didn't really, I mean, I went to church, like we grew up Catholic, but I didn't have these sort of alternative um, shamanism. I didn't even know what that meant, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting, though. You've spoken to other models that felt that way. They they went into questioning their existence and wondering what everything was about. I'm really glad to hear that. Because you don't know, you know, when you're young, you're all trying, you you also, you don't put masks on and you're like, I'm good. I'm all good. Are you good? I'm good. I'm perfect. (laughs) I'm not going home crying tonight. Wow. Yes. I remember myself. I remember I had a recorder, like a a tape recorder. You know those mini recording tapes? Yeah. Recording myself and being like, I'm so sad. Oh. Gonna do the journals. The journals I have. I I have journaled forever. I have probably 50, 70 journals. I mean, if we read them from 20 to 28, whenever I finally stopped being a gypsy yeah all about that (laughs) i was continually trying to figure out what the heck was going on you know but i found that even just with just through the traveling and girls i met they were having these almost spiritual awakenings you know oh that's awesome that's really cool yeah important i well so yeah my mom is she comes from a farming family, right? So she was very connected to the earth and Mm. she already had that in her as a child. So she was already like, she found her spirituality in nature. Okay. And then she raised me, uh, natural close to the ground, to the earth, you know, gardens, herbs in my life. And, and then she also had her own, you know, struggle and she mm-hmm. was struggling to come out and find a career and find her identity. And so she went back to school and she started okay. studying uh, religion, women and religion. Mm-hmm. And I was raised Catholic also. So mm-hmm. I always, I love my spirituality. I love going to church. I love Jesus. I love Mary, all of that. But then when I saw mom started bringing in these books about spirituality, oh man, that's where it clicked for me. So now that I have a daughter, I really realize how I feel about myself is going right. to affect how my daughter feels. Did your mom feel good about herself? Do you feel like she passed down confidence to you? I think she also fought with her accepting herself. Uh, looking back and having spoken about this with my aunt and my mom, uh, their mom was a little critical. And I think then that was passed down to my mom and my aunt. But, um, 
yeah, she would get opinionated, you know, with like how we look and um, because uh, she had high standards for herself. So yeah. it does, it does, you know, affect the person. But, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, body stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. And all accepting, you know, yeah, that yeah. I received also because she received it from her mom. Yeah. yeah. It goes yeah. back so many generations, right? Yeah. Yep, it's like exactly. the work the work we do in our generation just makes such a difference for the women to come. Absolutely, that's why it's hard to blame our parents because then they would have to blame their parents, and then they would have to blame our great grandparents. It's just passed down. Yep, a hundred percent agree. This criticism, yep. this, you know, and especially for women, we've had it harder. Men have it hard also, but you know, but women really. Okay. I want to go back to the modeling world a little bit. Do you feel like the judgment and the specific boxes that were asked to fit in, in, in the modeling world can be intense. And even, I think as a young girl, almost even shocking. Do you feel like there's any standout moments that made you feel self-conscious or uncomfortable? Well, I, there's one that I still carry with me and it wasn't from somebody at the agency. I was living in this apartment with this model and what happened there is just reflects of the sort of unhealthiness of body issues that stem from this industry. We lived in, in the studio that was wall to wall, like ceiling to floor mirrors. And I remember she had a morning where she was looking at herself. She was very skinny, already so skinny. And she was squeezing, you know how we do like, the squeezing yeah. of the thighs so that the mm-hmm. thighs don't touch. Yep. And she's looking at herself and she's um, just putting herself down. She's like, oh, I'm fat. I'm still fat. And this girl was so skinny. Okay. Yeah. And I'm all like, you know, because I was learning about affirmations and accepting myself. And so I'm in the mirror going, I look good. I feel good. I, I love it. I'm seeing. And she just turned around, looked at me, and she says, Oh no, you're fat. And you need <laughs> you need to lose weight, girl. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember like it was like in slow motion. It's like, you are fat. And I remember that mo- that day, that morning, because it stayed with me for years. Okay. Cause I just started in the modeling business. I was so nervous about fitting in, about not having anybody tell me I'm imperfect or fat. So, you know, and humiliate me, embarrass me and me not be the perfect model and fit the clothes and blah, blah, blah. So when she said that it actually started me uh, on a very unhealthy relationship to my body. Huh. You know, nobody like in, at the agencies only once I had Gerald Marie, uh, cause I didn't want to cut my hair the way they wanted me to cut my hair. Cause I still mm-hmm. didn't trust them. Right. So there's a wild side to me and I connect to people that have this. And most people that are, have this wild side are like earth children. Like they're yeah. bohemian hippies that are close to the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I feel you girl. Right. And I remember my agent saying, you know, bringing Gerald Marie to her cause she wanted to complain about me. And she's like, Sandra doesn't want to cut her hair. And she's being, you know, she's not trying like a little up. kid. Like you're a little kid. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, Sandra. I mean, I guess you kind of are, but they're also a lot of them are little kids too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, well, what I'm, what you're getting at is that there's disrespect. There's not, you know, it was just, you were just told and it there wasn't, it wasn't respectful. And I remember him coming to me and just, touching my hair like this, you have to do something with this, you know? Oh my God. And that's the extent of it. I mean, I hear, I heard horror stories with this man. So I'm really knock on wood. Nothing ever happened with this. You know, I've heard women being told girls being told on set, like you're ugly or you're fat or. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I think one of the things, if anyone is listening to this that's young and starting to model or has a daughter that's going to start to model that's sort of the 
issue when we're so young, I think, and we don't have this foundation of our confidence yet that that one statement, I mean, you're in the mirror saying affirmations to yourself, believing in yourself. And that one comment can really at that age throw you because, and that's what I mean about those things being a little shocking Mm -hmm. because we haven't heard those before. Okay. So tell us a little bit how you, what was your journey with struggling with body image or, you know, your self image? Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Cause then I want to go into the healing and talk about all that sort of stuff, you know? Um, it was a real journey. I had, um, yeah, it started me, you know, into this whole, like starving myself and overeating, punishing myself and this whole relationship to food got thwarted for me in Paris and Mm -hmm. I was terrified this was at the beginning this was when I was there so 16 so 17 18 19 okay um it was a struggle it was a struggle I developed an eating disorder I had body dysmorphia like Mm -hmm. now we have labels and words for it but back then it was just I was uncomfortable. I felt fat. I felt ugly. And if I like, I would starve myself and eat one apple a day so that I can look good and not feel fat. Yep. And then I started smoking cigarettes to, you know, because everybody does it. And it's like your way of also in the back of your head, you're like, I'll be skinny that way also. Oh yeah. Kate Moss smoked cigarettes. So yeah, so it's good, right? If Kate Moss did it, it's, like, it's good for all of us. Them. It was like the waif era. It was the it was the Kate the Moss waif era. Yeah, it was. I mean, you had to have no boobs and be uh Yeah, it was squeaky all over again. Yeah. And you some know. models naturally looked like that, but a lot of us had boobs and had athletic bodies because we were coming athletic from body the sports we played in high school and yeah yeah exactly it was it was like there's some you know I have friends uh, that are models that look exactly like that still because it's their body type yeah and I don't want to shame that at all it's like that's beautiful but if you're going to take one form one body form and tell everybody else in the schoolyard if you don't look like this you don't fit in You don't deserve to be married. You don't deserve to have a house. You don't deserve to have a career. You don't deserve this. That makes no sense. You're not good enough. You're not not pretty enough. enough. You're not going to work. I mean, now the industry has changed so much. I mean, I remember the first time all of a sudden there's like, oh, there's a plus division. I'm like, "Um, what? This is amazing. Did you ever feel a responsibility for the role model that you were being since, you know, people saw you in ads and Mm -hmm. did you ever think of that? Because I remember sometimes really thinking about that. And your effect, you mean how you affected the world? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember, remember like we would be booked for. Uh, clothing lines or cosmetic uh, products that were for women in their forties. And we were like 20. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. I remember that. Yep. And I would, my way of like, just, I would just open a conversation about it with models, with people on set and also like the art director, you know, the, also the art director, the, the, the client, I'd be like, you know, that, you're using memes 22 for a product that's sold to 45 year old women. Do you think that makes sense? Like, I, I love I that. Shoot, I would shoot myself in the foot, but I really, I was, I always loved opening a conversation, having truth be spoken. Yes. You know, and whenever I would talk to people and they'd be like, oh my God, you're a model or, um, you know, or cousins or family, I would out what would happen on set. You do not look like that. I have a team of people that do my hair, my makeup. Uh, the clothes don't look like that. They're all pinned. They're all changed. You know, like uh, I would, I would kind of 
without it. So you kept it real. I wouldn't be left in this like dream world of like, Mm -hmm. you're so lucky you're a model. I would say, yes, I am. I'm grateful. I get paid well. I travel. I've I've seen extraordinary places in the world. I've met extraordinary people, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's judgmental. I've been Mm -hmm. hungry. I've been full. I've, I've had to go to therapy. I was suicidal. Yeah. Okay. I came home suicidal at 19. Yep. I've done that before too. Okay. I had to, I I had to go to therapy, had to take care of myself. And I did, you know, I took Mm -hmm. care of myself, but whenever I have a chance, I tell people exactly how it is. I love that dreaming that, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love how you started the conversation on set too, because Sometimes we feel like we have to make these big, grand moves to make changes. And it really just starts with having a conversation with people. And I think that that was a beautiful way that you could do something. I think Mm -hmm. that's so cool. I commend you for that. I, I don't feel like I did that so much. Like I didn't call, I didn't have the courage to... I didn't have the courage to speak up then because I was so like, oh, you picked me for this job. Like, thank you. You know, yeah. where you yeah. were like, I'm grateful, but at the same time, just an FYI, <laughs> yeah. I am 22. So I have a funny story. So I remember I was doing this. I think it was, it was a anti-wrinkle ad and I was really young too, like probably 22. And they kept making me make all these like faces to make wrinkles. And I wasn't making enough. (laughs) And I remember feeling bullied. They were were putting hairspray to make me have more wrinkles. And I was like, and then I, you know, I had to work the whole week and I didn't, my skin's really sensitive. You're spraying hairspray on my face. Wow. And, um, the, the art director was, was mad at me. Book someone with wrinkles then. So you said something about the judgment. I'd love to talk about that for a second because I just interviewed this makeup artist and she was saying how she's always so shocked how often she gets the question, are the models bitchy? And I laughed when she said that because I'm like, she's like, oh yeah, it's, I tell them it's the exact opposite. They're some of the kindest, you know, cause we do get picked apart. And, and then she yeah. talked a lot about how she would see, and she's a beautiful too. And she has a daughter that's beautiful. So just being a beautiful human being, who cares if you're a model, she's like, I saw the overcompensating, you know, yeah. I'm nice. I am nice. Like, I know I'm beautiful, but please know that I'm nice. Did you ever feel that? Or have you ever had any judgments? That's just pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear this one? Did you, I'm sure you have. Wow. You're so nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Meet you and be like, Oh, no. you know what? One of my favorite <laughs> ones is one of my favorite ones is You're like, no, I bite. I, careful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love uh God. You're, you're really hard working. I'm like, what a, yeah, I am. <laughs> you think I just have this career because I sit on my butt? <laughs> Interesting. But they, you know, they can think like it just comes really easy when actually models put in so much work to stay in shape. And Oh my God, yes. Right? So let's transition a little bit. Was there ever a moment you talked about, you know, you had your eating issues or your yes. eating disorders in Paris you're still modeling, you know, you've been modeling for over 20 years. That's clearly not happening anymore. How did you get, like, how'd you dig your way out of it? Was there a pivotal moment? Was there, like, I know for me, I just started educating myself. I just read health books and got, you know, trained as a personal trainer. I was like, I need to figure out how to do this a healthy way. Therapy, lots of therapy. (laughs) A lot of, oh my God. Yes. So much. You took control. You know, you found mm-hmm. your way. So for me, uh, how I am, I did it for myself is number one, you need to take yourself out of what's unhealthy and I needed to come home. 
So you need to find, take refuge in safety, number one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And once I got out of that situation and I got home, then I was able to get therapy. I was able to get educated uh, on what's right and what's wrong and what's really unhealthy. Janine Roth. Mm-hmm. Have you read any of her books Mm-mm-mm. on eating disorders? Oh no. This woman saved me. So what saved me is, and then how I changed my way of relating to my business because I did keep working and I, I've had a beautiful career. Yeah. I needed to come home, go to therapy, educate myself and study Janine Roth. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, it took me, I don't know, six months. Wow. I was like, I felt like I came back to myself and I decided, okay, I'm going to walk out of high fashion. I had this dialogue with my agents because I was like, I'm out. I'm leaving Paris. I'm leaving Milan. I'm leaving London, Tokyo, whatever. I can't. I went to heal. And then when I, and then, then I fell in love. I moved to Vancouver with my first love and I, I, I wanted to just be grounded and be normal. And that's what I did. And then my agency started calling and that's when the conversation happened. And I said, I want to keep working, but it has to be on my terms. Okay. So I don't fit to the world of high fashion. And I have, we have friends, we have peers and colleagues that have made it big in high fashion. And, yeah. and I mean, I would, I would ask them, I'd be like, how did you do it? I couldn't, my san- I lost my sanity. How did you, so I commend the women that stuck to the path and made it big. Yeah. Cause you know, that's where you go. You go to Paris, they groom you to become a big top model. And I, listen, years later, I saw my agent from Paris in Miami and she's like, Larga, you messed it up. And I was like, okay, listen to this. Listen to this. She, she looks at me and she's like, girl, you messed it up. You were almost there. You were going to blow up. You were going to blow up. And I'm listening. And I look at her and I said, what you don't know, Caroline, is that I was dead. I was suicidal. I couldn't move forward with anything. So it's easy for you to say, thanks a lot. Okay. I could have made a big but I had to jet. I had to go take yep. care of myself and yeah. I did the right thing. I went home also and they kept calling. This is what I mean. Like it's a calling, right? So the agencies wouldn't let me go. I was like, I'm done. I quit. They were calling me from Europe, from New York. And, and they're like, are you crazy? There's so much money being thrown at you. Take it. And that's when I did what you did. Okay. But you know what? Healthy, athletic, yep. uh, well-being, mm-hmm. advertising, catalogs. If it's not fashionable, that's okay. I'm going to do what, where I fit, what's good for me. And you know what? It worked. Yep. I did the same thing. Okay. So I want to switch a little bit into your healing work you do now. Was that something you said you started kind of studying shamanism in Paris? So I've always been sensitive, even as a child, like sensitive, intuitive, but it was when I went to Paris and there was the ground, you know, fell beneath my, beneath me that I had a lot of fear that my clairvoyance like started coming Mm. up. I would feel and see things. And, um, and I, I always thought it was because there was so much fear and maybe, yeah, there was so so much unsafety. So you go into your in- instincts, right? And so yeah. maybe that's what triggered it. But I started having a lot of out-of-body experiences, lucid dreaming, astral traveling, like all that wow. stuff. And I was naturally curious and drawn to it. Okay, I would feel a room. I would feel people. I would sense if something was in the room. So I was like freaked out and I had to learn as I went. So I had my little bag of like salts and smudges and oils and like figurines and altars that I would build everywhere I went. It was a natural calling to that. And it was also like this desire to find safety. And how do you find safety outside of the egoic mind? You go to the divine. 
And that was our, our journey and most people's journey, right? You go to the unexplainable, to the thing that's beyond duality. So um, the fear, usually, you know, the muck makes us grow, you know, no, no mud, no lotus. So that was my mud. And then it kind of just opened me up to all that. Can you explain to us what intuition means to you? Intuition is your knowing, your natural knowing. It's connected to your heart and your soul. It's a Mm -hmm. natural ability that we all have. And it's just not trained, right? So it's a, it's a part of you. So it's a knowing. We don't learn about it. So what are, can you give us some tips on how to tap into your own intuition? So the first thing I would say is whatever you seek will seek you. So if you, if you say, yes, I'm going to explore my intuition, it's a relationship. So it's going to answer you. So first you make a decision. You're like, all right, I've been told I'm intuitive. Uh, This is natural to me. I'm going to open that door. You start playing with your intuition. So you start training yourself. Like you, you, you follow your hunches to see if it's actually what you thought it would be, you know? So Mm -hmm. first you open, you know, you're curious, you seek it out. Second is you start playing games with yourself. Like, okay. Oh, I have a feeling to turn right. Let me see. Let me just turn right and see what happens, you know? And then you end up finding what you're looking for, you know, or, um, you know, you're thinking of someone. Call them up and they'll, they'll tell you, oh my God, I was just thinking of you. You kind of just start playing with it and then you build trust. You build trust. Exactly. From seeing it come true. Exactly. Or seeing it work. Yes. And also that's what I wanted to say. Meditation. Okay. I was, my next question was, um, what's your favorite inner spiritual ritual do you do? Is it meditation? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. So in the mornings I wake up and you have to set the day. You have to set your intentions for the day. And the only way to do it is to get out of your dual egoic mind because the mind is trying to help, but most of the time does not help. Most of the time it's just talking and trying to resolve things and it makes you crazy. Hmm. So you need to greet the day from the divine side. So you want to sit down and that's what I do every day. I wake up, I go right to my meditation seat and I meditate for 20 minutes Hmm. and uh, I do mindfulness meditation. I just follow my breath and then you can like, you know, everything relaxes and opens and then you can hear better and feel more. And then your Mm -hmm. intuition is right there with you in that space and you're going to start hearing it more and feeling it, you know, seeing it and hearing it more. And you're going to be able to follow it when it gives you instructions because you train to create spaciousness so you can hear your intuition and then you can follow the direction it gives you or like the, you know, through the body senses, you know, uh, you'll feel what you need to do. So I meditate and then I do, I have a mala that I use and, I do commands, spoken commands, prayers for mm-hmm. myself, for others, for the world, for my family, for, um, and then, uh, I'll read maybe, a, um, an inspirational passage or I'll download what I'm getting as a message for the day for yeah. myself. So nice. I'll write it down. Yeah. Aww. So I'll write or I'll draw, but there has to be every day. There has to be a check-in with yourself. Yeah. So you have a morning ritual you do for about half an hour, 45 minutes. Yep. And is this before you've had coffee, water? Yeah. Sometimes I have my water, my lemon water ready, my ginger water or lemon water in the morning because I don't have anything. I I like to flush my body. And then I have, so yeah, so I either prepare it the night before and it's there or nothing. I just go in because if I start moving and I go make something, the mind, it starts the mind. The mind mm. will start getting active. But if you the go ego from mind. Yeah, the ego mind, the ego, like your, your, that voice, the incessant mm. voice inside will start getting busy and it's going to start waking up too. What's up with you? Yes, yes. So you want to get right to the seat when you're still in that place that's like out of sleep and you're still quiet. Mm. Yes, I love that. 
Okay. So after you're done with that, what do you do? Is there any more sort of healthy go-tos for you that you can share with us? Yeah. So I keep my mornings really clean. I cleanse every morning. So my mornings are raw and a lot of fluids and hydration. Okay. And so I don't do caffeine. I'm off of caffeine now four years. Nice. I feel great. I love it. I miss it sometimes, but then, you know, recently I tried some decaf and I was like, okay, but it's toxic for our body. And since I work as a conduit, an intuitive conduit now, I'm, I'm drawn to my guys who work with me. I'm drawn, draw me to living foods. So I keep my mornings living. So it's green juices or fruit juices or a bowl of oranges, you know, and so that all raw in the morning for me. Sometimes I'll follow my body though. So this is a message I want to give to anybody. You know, we suffer so much with shoving things in our body or pushing or controlling. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to listen to the body. Yeah. So if the body just wants one orange or one bagel or half a bagel or two bagels, you have, you know, it's a practice of following, you know, especially for us who've been in this business, who've had a struggle with our, our bodies and food, you know, and, and forced ourselves to cleanse and to, to do the protein, all yeah. protein the workout two hours a day and the push, pull, push, pull. Mm-hmm. I've come to a place where I've just listened to the body because the body That's, is alive. Yeah. It's living. It has intelligence. Your mm. liver is intelligent. Your blood is intelligent. Your brain is intelligent, you, you know, so it's going to tell you what it wants. So I, that's wow. what I do. So in the mornings, I'll ask my body, what do you want to eat? And that's the other way you, it sounds like you really use your intuition. No, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, you, ask, oh my God, exactly. So it's just about asking yourself what you need and it's going to come. But initially mm-hmm. you're going to have, you know, you're going to have doubt. You're, you're, you're going to be like, oh, I'm not sure if I know if I'm hearing. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. okay if okay. you hear yourself say, I'm not sure if I actually heard that. I'm not sure if I actually felt that. That means that you're on it. That means you did hear it. That means you do know. You're questioning it. You're, that's your mind, oh your my God. mind's questioning it then. Oh my God. That's what I've seen with myself. All these years, I was like, oh, it's got to be my imagination. I didn't really see that. I didn't really hear that. And that's mm-hmm. when I had to go get trained. I was like, I'm going to find people who train intuitives or people to Ugh. follow their intuition. And I took a class. I took two classes and I was like, okay, I hear and I see and I feel. It's confirmed. But for years, I would be like, I'm not sure. This is interesting because my next question for you is where you think confidence comes from. And I'm curious if some of your answer will have intuition. Oh, my God. Okay. So, okay. This is what I've learned. Okay. Um, I, in the last, I came back home because I was really not feeling well. I was ill. I was ill with chronic illness, uh, chronic uh, migraines. Yeah. And a lot of severe panic and anxiety again. Mm-hmm. I just want to say people who are intuitive will suffer with anxiety and panic. Yeah. Okay? This is a message to everybody out there. It's not just a mental health issue. It's actually because you are a living connected being and you're actually intuitive. Yeah. So you will it's not just a mental issue. It's, uh, it has intelligence. Like there's a reason why you're feeling this. So for me, I came home and I was struggling and suffering. I had to stop working out. I couldn't work out anymore. I yeah. couldn't do what I knew. Okay. So I lost confidence. I couldn't mm. have it. You know, I had a regiment that was very strict with like working out and having my yep. body look a certain way. Right. I couldn't rely on that anymore. I couldn't rely on being strong and independent. I needed my family yeah. to get better again. So I didn't have confidence there. My work changed. So I went I, some stuff with like agency changes an agency. I didn't make any money with this one agency and it got me uh, in a financial place that was really dire. Yeah. Okay? No confidence there. So usually our confidence is like our confidence is there when things are going good. But once life hits you with heavy curveballs, 
your body hurts, you have chronic illness, mentally, you're, you know, emotionally, you're unstable, uh, money, like that's not coming in, or you have to move all your survival stuff. When your survival stuff gets questioned, or there's like problems that come in, that's when you see if you really have confidence or not. Yeah. And it's not confidence that's going to pull you through that. When you're burnt to the ground mm-hmm. in your life, it's actually compassion. Yes. Compassion is, I, I believe that compassion is mightier than confidence. Yeah. We all, we all suffer. We all struggle. If we're going to be real here, mm-hmm. we all struggle. We all yeah. suffer. What holds us is really compassion. Having wow. kindness for ourselves. It's stronger and mightier than confidence. Confidence works well when you're successful. But as, as soon as you quote unquote fail or you're having what I call soul growth, because we're here mm-hmm. to play and to grow our souls. Yeah. It's not confidence. that's going to, you have no confidence when you're depressed in bed. Yeah. No, when you're heartbroken, you have no confidence. What do you have? Love, compassion, compassion. It's compassion. That's going to carry you, man. Compassion. Yeah. Carry you. When I think of confidence, I think of, Sure, we can think of being successful in business or, you know, those sort of stereotypical, but I really think of also being able to be vulnerable yeah, and having the confidence to ask for help when we need help. Yeah. But I do also, you know, I've definitely struggled with depression and anxiety. And when my anxiety specifically is at an all time high, my confidence is rocked. It is rocked. So I love that piece of like, we have to bring in the compassion. Yep. We do. Yeah. Yeah, Because our confidence gets rocked and we're not sure, but it's really when we're, when we're broken open, you know, and you're crying those hot tears, what gives you that push to move forward? Is that care? It's that care that comes from somebody understanding you. We all just need to be understood. Yes. And that's where confidence is going to come because it's real then. It's not from your mind. It's not from your ego. It's not from like, okay, so I'm going to front again. I'm going to have a mask again. It's not about masks anymore. We're Mm -hmm. entering a time where masks are falling off and the heart is going to lead. So compassion. Yeah. Do you think um, feeling healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, healthy in all those areas helps you feel beautiful on the outside? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. probably as a model that if no matter what you look like, if you don't feel good on the inside, it's not oh, going to matter. No, because I remember not having any confidence going on set struggling to speak up. That's why in my life I've worked to use my voice because I couldn't, like I had no voice. Okay. I had another model. I think her name is Natan. I'm not sure if that's her name. She does the whole uh, David Lynch uh, TM meditation in Los Angeles. Mm, I saw one of her interviews and she said, models don't know how to self-express. You are told you're pretty. We're going to tell you what to do, where to stand, what to wear, and but don't talk. Well, we're told not to talk. Don't talk. Don't not have an opinion. Right. Correct. To, about anything. That's right. Anything. You cannot have an opinion. You need to be in a good mood and you yep. can be funny or, you know, entertain us. But no, don't have an opinion. Yeah. That's true. Exactly. You're, you're, you're completely shut down. So here you are gorgeous, looking perfect, but shut down. So I had to like work at speaking up. So there's many, there's many times that I've been like, you know, it look from the outside, it looks like, yeah, you're in New York, you know, pier 59, you know, it's all like fancy and you're doing a cover for self magazine or something else, you know, fancy, the beard diamond, the beard diamonds that did the whole, I did the whole commercial I felt great that day, but there's some days where you're like, um, you don't feel good and you look good from the outside, but if you don't feel good inside, then you're, you're the one in your own body. 
So yeah. I don't care what it looks like on the outside, but I don't feel good inside. So I'm going to have to take care of what's inside. But this business is between me and me. So I can feel at home in my body. Yeah. So you do need to, as you say, when you feel good mentally, spiritually, physically. Okay. We're going to go into some fun outer beauty. Okay, cool. Goodies. Do you have an outer beauty secret you've used since you were younger that you think's made a difference? Yes. My mom used to put olive oil in our bath. She told me, she's like, you know, in your baths, it's all about uh, you're hydrate, hydrating your skin and, and moisturizing your skin. So that has always stayed with me. I always moisturize my body. And it's a practice I have morning and night and during the day, many times what, on my hands. What do you moisturize with? Um, so I'll like move through different uh, things. Like sometimes I'll, I'll, I have oils that I use, uh, almond oil, jojoba oil. Okay. Then I have shea butter, pure shea butter. So sometimes Ooh. I'll mix the oils with the shea butter. And so I'll oh. use that for deep, deep, like sort of masks, you know, body moisturizing masks. Uh, and then I have my everyday, it changes though, but right now I'm using Wella, uh, what is it? Walida. Yes. Uh, I have a cream here. Um, Walida body, body cream. So it's very natural. Um, I like using natural products uh, mm-hmm. as much as I can. Do you have a long time favorite beauty product? Yes. It's called Skin Food by Walida. Mm, all time favorite, deliciousness so thick and rich and Mm. I've been using it for years. Yes. And what about wellness wise or spiritual wise? I have beads. So for spiritual wise, I have beads that I, I will, I will, um, wear. So medicinal, um, beads that are, so right now I have Amber that I'm wearing and I have these rosewood beads that is my mala. So it's prayed up. So I have that. Um, what else do I, I always have lemon water on me or ginger water. Mm. Um, I always have Larabars, you know, for snack. Yeah. You're yeah. constantly flushing your system. I'm constantly hydrating. That's my focus because okay. we are so dehydrated. Humans are completely dehydrated. We, so that's why I love living foods and doing my mornings as living foods and then just hydrating. Cause I don't like hydrating. Yeah. If I could not hydrate, I would so do it, but Got I feel it. it the next day. If I don't, yeah. know, some of us are more dehydrated than others. You can be born dehydrated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know that? yeah. yeah. But most people are. So, so that Got it. wellness tip that I, is my go-to is, um, I'm hydrating, but my water needs to be delicious. It can't just be flat bottled water. It has to have some raw honey in it or some thyme in there, like a fresh herb or mm. a ginger water. Okay, got it. Like so you coconut so you're water putting for sure. Coconut, coconut? water. Coconut. Yeah. yeah. Does the lemon help hydrate us? Yes. Okay. The lemon also mineral mineralizes you, hydrates you alkalizes you it's it's a beautiful fruit i wish i liked lemon more that's one thing lemon water i'm not into lemon water well you know what add a little raw honey in it Mm, okay who cares about lemon water you know why you don't like it because it's been shoved down our throats like oh you gotta do lemon water to be skinny this is not about being skinny this is about being hydrated this is about you getting the minerals that you need for your neurotransmitters for people who are highly sensitive like yourself, intuitive like yourself, you need to remineralize constantly so that you're not burning out. Because our mm. brains are constantly working. Everything's moving so much faster now. You need to cool the system down constantly. Okay. So I'll add some lemon and I'll add a little bit of honey. Yeah. And a little, sometimes I put a whole wooden full spoon of raw honey. All right. I love, raw honey is so good for you. Okay. So, I'm telling you, you're going to like your water after. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. Okay. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something about beauty, confidence, self-acceptance, something, what would you tell her? I would say this to her. I got to warn you. 
you're going to have a voice inside your head that's constantly going to tell you you're not good enough, you're not beautiful enough, and you suck, and you're stupid. And that voice is a lie. That voice Mm. is not you. Your soul, your light is not, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to be your, your companion for your whole life. But your job is to shush it. Your job is to not listen to it. You are much bigger and greater than that vicious little voice Mm. that's so old that it's it's not you. So that's, I think, the piece of advice I would give to my younger self. I'd be like, FYI, put your seatbelt on because this voice is going to take you for a ride, but don't listen to it. Just follow follow the good around you follow listen when people say you're beautiful listen Mm -hmm. when people say you're smart listen when they say oh you just gave me something oh i love your presence i love you you're so kind listen to that listen to that voice yeah i love warning them too i think all human beings but specifically women are so hard on themselves that probably universally we have that voice. Yes. It's so old. It's so old. It's archaic and it's, it's steep in violence and abuse, right? Look at the state of our world. We've, we have more wars than peacetime. Like it's, it's, it's a very violent place. And so we have an instinctual self that's animal like, And so Mm -hmm. it just wants to survive, but it doesn't know. So it needs guidance from our divine self, our soul. That's why you need to tap in, have a practice every day that taps into your true nature, which is divine. Yeah. But also kind of normalizing that voice because I think, I don't think we talk about that enough. I think this is such a good topic you brought up because we don't, talk about how normal this voice is inside all of us because we think that we're crazy. We think that, you know, and I think we all, I mean, we're starting to talk about it more, how a lot of us have the, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough, you know, but. Or even worse, kill yourself. Yeah. Worthless. Totally. stupid. Like it's the end. There's no point. What's the point? (sighs) Mm-hmm. This voice is a vicious voice that's just an animal-based thing that's trying to survive. And, you know, people from the East, all our meditators, all our Buddhists, and uh, all these Eastern philosophies that cover the egoic voice talk about mm-hmm. this, how vicious yeah. it is, how yeah. violent it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not you. It lives, yeah. like Michael Singer says from Untethered Soul, it's your roommate. It lives in your head. It lives with you, but it's not you. Yep. You need to have a practice to create space and knowing that you watch it. You don't listen to it because it has bad advice. Lots lots of boundaries with that roommate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So many boundaries. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was so nice chatting with you. Thank you so much. It was so nice being with you too. I've missed you. You look great. It's been so many years. I I'm know. So, you know, thank you for inviting me. I'm so proud of you, yes. the work you're doing. You're bringing, you know, realness and honesty and vulnerability. And that's what we need. And, you know, you're right where you need to be to be doing this thank work. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on and being so vulnerable because you are so vulnerable. And I learned a lot. I cannot wait to watch this back. You can find Sandra at www.sandralarga.com. Her IG handle is Holistic Sandra. Her modeling agencies are Montage Models in Montreal, Wilhelmina, New York City, Innovative Artists, New York City and LA, and Mega Models in Miami. And don't forget to follow me. I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Show it off every curve, every part, yeah. Cause I'm strong and I love the skin I'm in. Every shape, every inch.
Thank you for joining another Beyond Beauty Project conversation. At the end of the day, we're all in this together. Don't forget to check out our website at www.beyondbeautyproject.com, where you can find all of our socials. And don't be shy. Bridget wants to hear from you. So feel free to send a DM or an email to let us know your thoughts and what you'd like to hear about next. See you beauties on the next Beyond Beauty Project. Catch us next Wednesday. This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own healthcare provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your healthcare provider or call 911 immediately.